over there. So my wife is going to join me today to preach, and it's always a great time. Would you guys give it up for Miss Rowena? As T-Bear would say, first lady. Are you supposed to get somebody's microphone? Ah, I'm supposed to get it off now. We, we, we decided back when we started the church, back way back in January, um, we decided that, um, that marriage was super, super important, um, that marriage is something that is super important to us, and it's also super important to you all. Uh, whether you're single or married, it's important um, what you believe about marriage. Ah, look at that. Thank you. I was getting purple corded mic for you. And, um, and so... And so we, did, we, we decided that um, we do have sermon series, and we just finished up a sermon series last week called You Ask For It. And so we took your, your all's suggestions on what we should preach, and we preached through it. Um, and we're getting ready to start a new sermon series next week. We're going to be going through the book of Hebrews. And um, so I'm really excited to go chapter by chapter through my favorite book of the Bible. Um, and so we're going to be doing that next week. But about every four weeks or so, um, Ro and I break out the couch. And uh, we um, talk about the meaning of marriage. And yes, that is a picture of us on our wedding day over nine years ago. You uh, thought it was just two models, but no. <laughs> okay, moving on. Um, but uh, <laughs> we, 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 we decided to preach on marriage. And so we've titled it throughout the entire year, The Meaning of Marriage. Um, and that's taken from a book by Timothy Keller. And we're going chapter by chapter through Timothy Keller's book. And so we are now on chapter seven. Yes. And um, uh, man, this is the seventh time that we've preached together this year. It's amazing. Time flies when you're having fun. Um, and so we are um, talking about this, this, this week is about singleness. So we are talking about marriage, but we're talking specifically to those who are single. Um, and so if you're single here, uh, this message is specifically for you. Uh, hopefully married folks can, can uh, get a little something out of it too, about Jesus maybe. But um, for those of you that are single, uh, we really wanted to speak to you all. And I wanted to speak to you about the Bible's position or God's position on singleness and marriage. Um, because how you think about one affects how you think about the other. So we have a scripture here for you that we're going to start off with in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We're really going to stay in 1 Corinthians <clears throat> all day. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 27 and 28. This is where we're going to start, and uh, just because I, I really like this, this scripture here. It says, are you pledged to a woman? That means are you married? Um, do not seek to be released. So there, there you go. I told you there's going to be something for all you married folks. <laughs> If you're married, stay married. That's, that's, all right, you, you, you may leave. <laughs> hey, some folks need to hear that message. I'll tell you right now. Um, are you, <laughs> got an amen. That's true. That's the word of the Lord. Um, are you free from such a commitment? In other words, are you not married? Do not look for a wife, verse 28. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she is not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you from this. <laughs> a couple months ago, <laughs> this is not a time for, for married people to say amen. That's, it was, that was before you missed it. That was the stay married. It's all right. It's all right. You'll get it. You'll catch on. Um, a, f a couple of months ago, I actually talked about this scripture uh, as an intro to, to a sermon um, about how we... We often think differently from God. And so I, I quoted this passage because most people don't even know this passage exists. 
um, that, that, that God, through, through the Apostle Paul, would say, um, those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and if you're not married, don't look for a wife. It's, it's kind of interesting because it stands in contrast to the typical passage that we have been going through together as we preach almost every time we mention Ephesians chapter 5. And in every wedding that I've ever um, um, performed, uh, officiated, um, I, I always read Ephesians chapter 5 because Ephesians chapter 5 brings just an amazing um, allegory to marriage, and it's the allegory of Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. And so Ephesians chapter 5 like makes marriage out to be this amazing, incredible, um, beautiful thing, which it is. Um, but you also have scriptures like this that, uh, that seem to almost contrast with that, right? Like, is Paul having a bad day here? Is he uh, feeling a little bit bitter or something? Like, what's going on with this? I mean, how is this this beautiful thing that Paul would say, hey, if you do marry, you know, you haven't sinned. It's not like you're going to hell. But I would not recommend, you know, if you're single, don't, uh, don't look for a wife because those who are married face many troubles. So, um, what we want to do is we want to take this, this kind of interesting passage and Ephesians chapter 5 and, and help you understand a biblical view of singleness um, as it applies to you all exactly where you're at, but also as it, as it applies to our culture. And I think one of the reasons why both of these scriptures seem so awkward to us is that we have a culture that is almost either one side or the other. Um, we, we kind of live uh, with, with these two bookends or these two ditches, uh, a ditch on either side of the road uh, when it comes to how we think about marriage and then how married people talk to people who are single, if that makes sense. So uh, on the traditional side, I will go ahead and play the traditional side. Harry is more traditional than me. It's true. Uh, I grew up way more traditional. I grew up in Port Huron, Michigan, a little town in uh, Michigan. She grew up in New Zealand. Uh, it's like mostly atheists there. Um, mostly ocean. It's true. There's not many people, but I'm saying the people who are there. Like, no, no, literally, what is it, 5%? Claim, 6%. 6% Six. claim to be Christians. Here in America, about 80%, 75% claim to be Christians. Claim to be Christians. So what I'm saying is in many of the rural areas, like Port here in Michigan, we're a little more traditional, a little more conservative, and in New Zealand and in some of the bigger cities, like Austin, um, a little more progressive. Uh, uh, than than traditional, and so the traditional view of marriage, while it's 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 nice, it's, it's it has its good parts. It really clings more to the Ephesians chapter five. Um, there's an idea that 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 marriage will complete you, and and uh, and and life sort of starts around marriage, and you can see this in almost every like uh, chick flick. Um, <laughs> that you could possibly want to watch. Um, it's, it's like, uh, I don't know, the, the 28 Dresses, the, 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 the Disney, all, like almost all the Disney movies, um, their story, you come into the story like just before they meet the special someone, and uh, you know, what, what's her name? I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the one I love to find me, to find me today. Today, and he 
Nagahika, the prince, comes in. And that's kind of where the story starts. Like, that's where your life begins. Everything before that, it's like it was, yeah, it was just leading up to this moment. And then, like, the whole, the whole movie or the whole fairy tale or the whole thought is if we can get, like, these two people together, then everything's going to be great. And so they finally get together. And then the movie ends when they finally get married. And then you, you, they live happily ever after. And that's kind of the traditional view of marriage, that, that marriage is, is something, this amazing gift by God that will complete you, that will uh, make you better than you are right now, that when you're single, you're not quite who you should be. But when you get married, that's when you become everything that you really ought to be. And, and that's, uh, that, 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 that brings, that viewpoint brings several sort of statements to single people that you've probably heard before if you're single. One is, uh, you know, when talking to singles, it's like, well, first of all, there's a bit of pity. Like, oh, oh, you're single. Oh. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, it's like your story hasn't quite started yet. You know, I'm sorry. You're kind of living a sub-level of life. Um, you know, I mean, it's still, God's still good and everything, but, you know, you haven't really lived just yet. And, and so there's certain ways that, that, that we try to talk to folks to get them to really live because we really want them to experience this amazing thing called marriage. So we'll say, well, you know what? As soon as you become content with Jesus, that's when God's going to bring in the special someone. And, you know, then it's going to be great. Almost like, like, like your contentment sort of like is what God's waiting on for his special blessing to come. You know, like he can't bless you until you learn how to be content. And then, and then once you do something, then God will step in and do this amazing thing for you. Uh, the other thing that we often say is like you're being too picky. Uh, you, some singles may have heard that. You're being too picky. As if like God needs broader parameters to work within. Yeah, like he, he just, he's got to, he's being too picky. God's not very specific and, and you got to kind of flex a little bit. And it, the idea is that if you're not as picky, you can get married sooner. And that's when life starts, right? Like if you just kind of let your standards down a little bit, all that kind of thing, like, wow, it's going to be great, right? <laughs> and uh, that's not really true. Anyway, um, the other thing that, that we often say is that God's waiting for you to become who you are meant to be. God's waiting for you to work on you. God's waiting for you to be perfect. Once again, this is a, a works-based kind of religion that as if this amazing blessing God wants to give you, but you got to be more holy than you are before he blesses you. And if you look around at married people, I don't know that this holds water. I don't know if married people are more holy than non-married people. I don't know if that necessarily works. In fact, um, you know, the founder of Christianity, the little guy by the name of Jesus, who was single. Jesus was single. Jesus was single. So, so you know, poor Jesus, he was probably too picky. That was probably it. Um, being God and everything, he probably had a fairly high standard. Uh, you know, he was, he, was, he was too picky. Maybe he wasn't patient enough. Maybe he wasn't content enough with, with his father. Maybe, but no, no, no. He was single because God wanted him to be single. He was single, and he was everything that God wanted him to be. He was not an incomplete individual. Jesus Christ lived this life as a single person and died as a single person, rose again as a single person. He lived as a, and in fact, when you pray to Jesus, you're praying to a single guy in his 30s, you know? I mean, basically, it's what you're praying, it's who you're praying to. This is God. This is God. He's single, he's in his 30s, and he's living the life that his father intended for him to live. So if anything, um, Christianity is one of the few religions that actually validates singleness. 
um, uh, several other the major religions, it's like your life really doesn't start until you get married and have kids because that's when you start. That, that's when life starts. This is the traditional ditch. So it's the traditional view. The yes. progressive ditch over this side might say. I'm sorry, was the, was the traditional side hogging the. The, the, the traditional the, side was hogging just a long. little. Just a little. Yeah. But that's all right. <laughs> that can happen with traditionalism. You. Yeah. <laughs> Go a little bit. <laughs> but the progressive ditch on the other side, what Harry was saying in the middle. Jesus being completely whole and completely fulfilled, living a single life. That's the middle road, going right up the middle. Traditionalism over here saying, I have to be married for my life to start. Progressive saying, what the heck would you want to commit to that for? Be free forever. That's what we might say over this side. You know, at the ski mountain, I used to watch, I worked at a ski mountain for five years, and I think it really um, solidified my... um, progressive nature towards commitment and um, I would see the families come on through with their three children with their parkas and they were normally Texans let me just tell you in Colorado by the way that was three children with their parkas thank you thank you so there's no (laughs) confusion yeah okay so they have their parkas parkas how (laughs) do I say that (laughs) I don't know on and all the children are crying by the time they get out of the car and and because they need to pee and they've got 10,000 clothes on. And, you know, it's a powder day, so there is, like, oodles of good snow just waiting to be ridden. And so me and my friends would be, you know, snowboarding past these people, going towards the lift, and you'd watch these poor parents. They're just, you know, they're having to undress child A, and then child B wants breakfast again, and then child C. And I can remember looking back and going, oh, bless. I'm going to go and enjoy my powder now. You know, that's the, New Zealand for bless their heart. Bless their heart, exactly. Yes, bless. the Texan version. Yeah, um, the progressive. Which does not mean that you're actually <laughs> blessing their heart. Just it means you're feeling very sorry for them. FYI. <laughs> <laughs> but the more the progressive ditch would say, um, live life first, get all of that living out, and then get married and get serious about life and settle down. It would say um, that commitment is scary and it will trap you. And it will make you go in places you don't want to go. And it will say, um, you know, if you really have to, if the persons you know that you're dating has put in enough time and effort, well, maybe you should marry them. You know, all of that sort of stuff. That's this ditch over the side. Yeah, because with the the conservative view, it comes from a place of believing, truly believing, that, that your fulfillment comes through marriage. And we know that, that that's not what Paul was just saying there in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Um, it, the, and so the tr- traditional view says this is going to bring fulfillment. The progressive view says that actually uh, marriage is more of a trap unless you marry somebody who really makes your life great, in which case, you know, it's good because the, the progressive view sees marriage as, as another help to fulfill you personally. And so uh, we're, we're, we're conservative folks. They want you to be fulfilled because they think marriage is going to do that. Progressive folks want to be free, and they, they, they think marriage is going to trap them. And so, and so that's why, like, in, in big cities like, like Austin, it's not uncommon to have uh, 30-year-old single people um, because many of them are adopting more and more this progressive view that, that marriage is a bit of a, a drag and it's a bit of a, a, a it cramps your style and, and and yeah you got kids who who got to go to the bathroom and you got to feed them a hundred times a day and they whine and stuff and so we we don't want that because we want individual happiness is what we're seeking we're seeking the the it's just just me and so if you can benefit me then great we'll come alongside me but if you can't then we're gonna have to part ways because I gotta 
I, I, I got to take care of me. And that's, that's another way to fulfillment. Both of these views are trying to be fulfilled. Both of these views are trying to find a way to completeness and fulfillment and wholeness. And they're just taking two different avenues toward that. And in Scripture, we find the middle of the road uh, uh, where, where, where God is trying to, to get us to walk into and to recognize exactly what marriage and what singleness is. Um, so we wanted to give a few things that we believe that it is. Number one, we believe that singleness and marriage is a gift. Um, so First uh, Corinthians chapter seven verse seven says this. Uh, Paul once again says, "I wish everyone could get along." <laughs> Here we go again. I wish everyone could get along without marrying. I don't know if we have that scripture up on the slide, but this is um, this is the the teal uh, the, the, the 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 living version. I wish everyone could get along without marrying, just as I do, but we are not all the same. God gives, and that's important, God gives some the gift of a husband or a wife, and others he gives the gift of being able to stay happily unmarried. <laughs> I like the way that like the way that he put that. God gives some the gift. So so there's a gift for marriage, but there's also a gift for singleness. And this is a gift from God. And kind of like last week or last time we preached together, we talked about the gift of gender, how 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 God has given us given me uh, the gift of being a male, and he's given her the gift of being a female. And, and that's something that's good. Um, it's not something to be rejected or to be idolized. Those are the two ditches there. Uh, but that's something that is something to be embraced, and it's supposed to point us toward the giver. And so the gift of singleness or the gift of marriage, it is a gift. It is, it's, it's basically a wrapped present that God hands to you to unwrap and to open and then to deal with and and to live with, and, and to walk with, and uh, oftentimes it comes with some instructions to put together, because there's all these empty bolts laying around, and pieces, and you have to figure it out, but it is a gift from God that is meant to get you to rely on the giver, so, um, so, so, so this is where we would say that marriage is a gift, and we love being married, but we can't be married like just us, um, I mean, we can, but I'd rather not invite anybody else into the marriage. Just us. Yeah. Well, see, that's the problem, though. <laughs> when it's just us, we clash because we're so different. We're so opposite, and we 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 would we would naturally disagree on just about everything. But when the Holy Spirit the third person in our marriage, <laughs> comes into our marriage, he empowers us and enables us to be married. Uh, and not just to just keep living together, but to truly fulfill our vows to love one another, not just to live under the same roof, but to truly fulfill the vows that we made when we were married. We can't fulfill those vows on our own. But the same is true for singleness. Uh, that 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 God's gift of singleness also comes with God's power to be single, and and this is something that I would challenge every single one, every single one of you that's single. Um, I would challenge you to be single intentionally, to be single on purpose. Most of the time, um, when I was growing up, several uh, people that I ran into, they were only single because they couldn't find a date. Like, they were just waiting for the next date to come around. And, and the next person that showed interest in them, like, that's kind of where they went. And, 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 I, and I felt like there was such unintentionality. It was, it was just, just kind of walking through life, hoping things work out. 
And, and unfortunately, when you're unintentionally single, you also become unintentionally married. And when you're unintentionally married, you, 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 you just live life according to how things go and according to how you feel, and, and you don't really live the life that God's called you to live. And you don't really find fulfillment because fulfillment doesn't come from marriage or singleness. Mm. Fulfillment comes from Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one that is uh, bringing us fulfillment. And um, anyway, so I'm, I'm getting to our second point here. But the second thing is we believe that, that uh, marriage and singleness, it is a, an exercise, it's an opportunity for Christian community. Yeah. I imagine it in the way, um, I think some people think of singleness as on this road and the city further on down is marriage. You know, you're on the single road and then you'll get to the, the marriage road and then you'll get to the children road, city and da 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 I imagine them as two roads that are running side by side, the single road and the married road, and they're both heading in the same direction, but they don't necessarily have to go through the, the city of marriage. It can be its own road, if that makes sense, because both of them, the whole reason that they're there is to be able to reflect Jesus and to present, you know, as a married couple, what we want to do is we want to reflect Jesus together, and then we want to help present the other person to Jesus blameless, and so that's why we challenge each other, that's why we encourage each other, that's why we do the things that we do in a Christian marriage. And it's the same for those who are single, but they are within the context of Christian community. And so within that Christian community, they want to present others blameless towards the Lord. And they want others to help them be presented blameless to the Lord. They want to reflect Jesus inside of a Christian community. And um, they can do what we do in marriage, but they can do it inside of a Christian community. They get looked after inside of a Christian community. Their helps, their needs get met. Um, You know, maybe you've got a widow or a divorced woman that can't hang curtains. I know I cannot. I cannot get that little drill to push that screw through that piece of wood. Doesn't happen. Nope. So I would need a man to come along, or a woman that's good with a drill, to come along and put those curtains up for me, and that's what the community of believers can do. They can help Mm. present us and help us like a marriage would. Yeah, when we preached last time about the genders, we talked about how the genders were complementary. So God created, his, his, his image is seen when both of those genders come together, male and female. So many times, at least with the traditional view, you say, well, if I'm just male, uh, in my case, then I'm not complete. I need a female to complete the image of God. And that is true. But there are all sorts of females here in City Chapel at Slaughter Creek that are not necessarily ready to marry you. But when you come into the community of of, of the church, when you, when you step into a small group, when you step into a serving group, and you're serving alongside people, when you come into this community, this community is meant to uh, be that connection for you. It's meant to be that help, as she was saying, in a practical sense, but also that encouragement in a spiritual sense, that challenge in a friendship sense, um, that, 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 that same companionship uh, that we find in marriage can also be found in the community of faith, that God has provided a place for single folks. Like throughout the New Testament, it's interesting because uh, the New Testament was written in a time in which it was very traditional. It was a very traditional culture. And so, in fact, like uh, 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 widows were were forced to marry um, Tiberius. 
Tiberius Caesar actually made a law that if you were a widow, you only had two years to be a widow, and then you had to marry, or you start getting fines <laughs> for being single. Like, you're fined for being single. Because in their culture, like, it was very much about the family, very much about offspring. Very, that's, where, that's where you had your community. That's where you had your support when you got old. That's who took care of you. It was your family, because family was everything. And, and it was within that culture that the Apostle Paul wrote about taking care of widows. <laughs> I mean, why would you take care of widows? Just, just tell them to get married. That's what their culture said. And that's what some of our culture says. Well, just, you know, you go on, just find yourself a man or find yourself a woman. Just, you know. But no, like God validates singleness. Singleness is a part of God's plan. It's a part of your life. It might be a part of your life from now until Christ comes back, or, or it might only be a part of your life for a time. But, the, but how you act in this time as a single person will impact how you live as a married person, um, even if God does call you to marriage. So some people just see, as you say, <clears throat> singleness is like this town that you got to like put the pedal to the metal and get through. <laughs> and, so, and, and that's the traditional view. The, 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 the progressive view says, no, we just want to we want to camp out in this town for a while. And we want to we want to find a nice hotel and we want to we want to be here for as long as we can afford to be here. And then whenever the money runs out, we have to go to the next town of marriage, you know. But no, these 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 are not like places that that you, that you stay. These are parallel paths that you can follow God as a single person just as well as you can follow God as a married person. In fact, Paul himself was also single. One of the leading theologians in the early church was also single, and he was not um, he wasn't demonized for that. Nobody said, "Well, Paul needs to get married," and that's what what his problem is. No, they recognized that that within marriage and within singleness, God is still at work. Because it's not marriage or singleness that completes us. In fact, this brings us to our third point, that marriage and singleness, it is symbolic. Both are symbolic. Both are uh, reaching towards something else. Neither one are meant to bring you complete fulfillment in this life. Both are, are looking forward to something else. And that's why we talk about marriage so much, actually. Because we believe that um, marriage is looking forward to something else. And in Scripture, we call this the marriage supper of the Lamb. So our marriage is temporal. And I know people say it's forever love. That's not true. That's, that's like the Facebook hoax, okay? You can't, you can't you, you're not going to be married forever. In fact, Jesus, Jesus was asked about this specifically. Of all the questions that Jesus could have been asked when he walked the earth, one of the questions was, Lord, so I was married to this person, then I got divorced, and I married this person. Who am I going to be married to? after the resurrection, when, when we all go to heaven. And Jesus said, well, you're not going to be married when you go to heaven because the angels, you, you'll be like the angels. The angels aren't married and they're not, they're not given in marriage because you're not going to need marriage in heaven and you're not going to need the community of faith in heaven. We're going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb, which that is the ultimate fulfillment for you and I. Eschatologically speaking, uh, end time speaking, what we mean is that the ultimate fulfillment is when you sit down at the marriage supper of the Lamb and you are united with Jesus Christ in a way that you can't even imagine right now. You will be so fulfilled at that point that, that this marriage will not be necessary anymore. It won't, it, the, the world won't need an example of marriage because we'll be connected with God. And in the same way, you're going to be so connected with others body of Christ is going to all sit down at the marriage supper of the Lamb. 
Because right now, we're kind of fragmented, and we have a lot of different, uh, I mean, there's different denominations, there's different viewpoints about this and about that. Some people are post-trib, some people are pre-trib, tribulation, meaning end times theology. Everybody's got different thoughts about should you listen to the rock and roll music or should you listen to the non, and, and, and we were kind of fragmented. But, but when we all gather around the marriage supper of the Lamb and celebrate our marriage to Christ, there's not going to be any theological debates. There's not going to be any differences. There's not going to be any. There's not going to be any hypocrites. Come on, somebody. There's not going to be any lukewarm people. There's not going to be any up and down. There, there will only be people that have been redeemed by the blood of Christ and put their faith in Him. And we'll all be one in a way that we cannot imagine now. We'll all be one. We'll all be the family of God. And so this family right now here at City Chapel is actually pretty, pretty cool pretty great but it's just a it's just looking forward to the family that we're going to live in and this marriage is pretty cool and pretty great but it's just looking forward to a marriage that we're going to partake in both of these are symbolic neither is meant to fulfill you in the here and now both are meant to give you a foretaste and get your appetite ready for what's coming heaven is coming and that's, and that's ultimately what Paul says in, in, in Romans chapter 7. He goes on to verse 29 when he's explaining this because he knows he just said something pretty profound. Don't get married, especially to that culture. He knows that this is, this is radical. And so he explains. He says, well, what I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, and this is, this is pretty profound too. I think we have that scripture, uh, uh, verse 29. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, oh, that's verse 31. There we go. Awesome. The time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. Well, those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Verse 31, those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. This is why. For the world in its present form is passing away. What he's saying is that you're not going to find true fulfillment in marriage. You're not going to find true fulfillment in possessions. He says if you're mourning, it's fine. It's okay to mourn. He's not saying don't mourn. But you should live as if you're not mourning. Sometimes whatever we're feeling, that's how we live, right? Like, like if we're feeling sad, we live out of that feeling. We live out of that. And if we're feeling happy, we live out of that. And our life is so uh, almost like our toddlers. It's like whatever just recently happened, that's how they're feeling. <laughs> you know, it's like the most recent thing. In fact, like with Micah, when he's when we're trying to get him out the door, you have to go step by step. Like put your underwear on, and he's he'll grab his underwear. And then he'll be like, Dad, uh, can I get a drink? And you can't tell him to go get a drink because you know he'll, for he'll forget about his underwear. That's what he'll do. He'll go get a drink and forget about his underwear. And 10 minutes later, I'll be like, where's your underwear? You know? And so you have to go very step by step. It's like, it's like, hey, okay, Micah, get your underwear. Okay, I got my underwear. Now, now put your underwear on. And uh, Dad, can I get a drink? And he always wants to ask me a million things about can, where are we going? How long is it going to take to get there? Blah, blah, blah. I can answer all those things, but you gotta like cover up your naked rear end first. Like we're not going out the door like this. 
And then I, and I, I think we as humans are, are very much like that. Um, maybe not when it comes to underwear, because we grow up past that, <laughs> hopefully. Um, but certainly when it comes to how we live, whatever is right in front of us, that's, how, that's what we're living for. If it's, if it's marriage, then, man, this marriage is everything. I, like, this is, this is it. It's all consuming. If my, if my wife isn't happy with me, then I'm in the dumps. If, if, if something's going on with our marriage, then it's all over. And I just want to this guy. I can't do it. And if, if, if we're sad, then, that's, then that, that covers everything. It's like this close to our face. We can't see anything else. If we're happy, then we can't even see the needs of others because we're just so thrilled about how awesome our life is. And what, what, what God is saying here is, is look, 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 fine. Go ahead. Be happy. That's great. Go ahead and mourn. Sometimes that's good, too be married, that's good, enjoy that, but don't live as if that's it. That's not it. That is not the end. You are not, you are, you, you are not, this is not the pinnacle of your experience. Everything right now is leading up to something else. And he says that this is what it is, that the present form, this present form of this world is passing away. And he doesn't necessarily mean that the world itself is decaying and it's going away. And, 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 and in, 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 in a literal sense, what he means is that your world, your world is shifting. Your world is going away. And so you're, you're you know, you're, you're 30 now or 31 or 35 or 40 or 50 or 60 or, or 80, but your world is going away. You are living in your last days. It's your last days. It's, it, it, it might, the world, this world might keep spinning for another million years. I don't know. But, but you and I are living in our last days. And so we have to live for something else. We have to live for something else. We can't find our fulfillment completely in marriage or completely in singleness. We have to find our fulfillment. We have to live for something else. And that something else is a little thing called eternity. And that's the marriage supper of the Lamb that I talked about. That's the time in which, in which we, we all come together and we're united with God forever. And I was trying to think of a way kind of to, um, to describe this. And um, I don't know, I, I, I did have a rope around here, but I can't, I can't find it. Um, but basically, I could probably use your, your microphone. Um, so this, this, this cord right here, I don't know if you guys know this, but um, for those folks that help us put this thing together, this cord reaches all the way like over to, the, to, the, to a box over there, and then it gets plugged in and it goes up to the, to the sound booth. But it's this long kind of purple cord, you know? Yeah, that's fairly long. And then here at the end, we, we have tagged um, exactly where this cord goes. This is a cord for subs. Um, those right there. So, whoever plugged this in, you need to work on it a little bit, I think, because uh, this is not the right cord for you. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, come serve at City Chapel. We'll make fun of you. Um, <laughs> T-Rizzo. Okay. Uh, it still works. It works for subs and other things. But anyway, so there's this little marker right here. It's about an inch, about three-quarters of an inch wide. I, I think it would help just in life if you would just imagine that this entire purple strand going down there, going all the way over there, and then going up there, and then really continually going for eternity. If this purple strand is forever, this little white line is your life from zero to 70 or 80 or however long you live. Like, this is your life right here. This is, this is the span of your life. And then all of this is the rest of your existence. And, and, and like 
what you're so concerned about, you're, you're, you're like maybe a quarter of an inch into this, into this little screen. <laughs> those, if, you, if you're 30, you might be in a, somewhere, you know, right about there. And what's so overwhelming to you right now, is it really, are you even going to remember when you get like even to the end of this white line? And then are you, like, when you get a little bit further, is it going to matter at all what you're, what you're happy about or what you're sad about? Like, I think your existence is eternal. As, as human beings, we're created as, as eternal spirits, and we're going to live either in heaven or hell forever. And what's amazing is that this little white line, what happens in this little white line affects all of this. The choices we make in this little white line echo through eternity. They just, they, they, they just keep on, the, the ripple effect keeps going. That you can choose to do something within this white line that will forever affect and impact the quality of your life for the rest of this, this purple cord. And that's really what we're talking about. And Andy Stanley has a statement uh, that, he, that he makes. Um, it's very, very deep, so it might be over some of your heads. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, usually Andy's really clear, but he, he created a very deep statement. It was, but this, this is good, though, because when it's confusing, people think it's really powerful. You know, they're like, oh, I don't get that. But wow, that was deep. Um, so we got a deep statement for you to just, like, blow you away right here. All right. So the present, your present, my present, will be, at some point, it will be your past. In other words, like, you right now, there will be a time, even next week, when you look back to this, this will be your past five years from now. 10 years from now, this is going to be, it's your present right now, but it's going to be your past, which will be your, which will be present, see, I can't even say it right, which will be present in your future. The present will be your past, which will be present in your future. In other words, what you decide to do right now, if you're single or married, it's going to affect your future. Because the past always has a way of creeping into the future. And many, and, and many, many married people could stand up and tell, tell the single folks that they thought that when they said their vows and when they lit the little unity candle thing, that, that it was a new day and it was all, everything was gone and all that was gone and this is brand new and this is just, you know, that's why we get married in the morning because it's a new day and, and it's, you know, it's just us and it's new and it's, it's a fresh start another statement you know that but that's not true it's not true because your 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 past always has a way of creeping into your future it always has a way of showing up at the most inopportune times and so my encouragement to you whether you're married or single is to think about exactly what you're doing here in the present and to and to be and to be mindful of the eternal future and the best way uh, to make sure that your present is positively going to impact your future is by living for Jesus Christ, living for the one who is eternal, living for the one who, who represents heaven like he, he is heaven. And when you live for him in this day, whether you're single or married, it will positively impact your future. Like I said, I grew up in a more traditional view. And so one thing that God really did for me um, to prepare me for marriage when I was single was he called me when I was 12 years old not to date. Um, and some of you are looking at me like, what? 
Uh, yes, that's why I'm so special. Um, when I was 12 years old, he called me not to date. And like by not date, I mean like not date, like not hold hands, not write love notes, not, uh, you know, just don't, just, just don't date. Just completely uh, stay away from any kind of relationship like that. And so from the time I was 12 until the time I was 23, I didn't go on a single, a single date. And, um, uh, and that was something that God really did for me to break me, I think, of my traditional view that marriage was sort of the all-important thing. Because within that span of time, I found out what God wanted me to do with my life. I pursued what God wanted me to do with my life. I focused on, 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 on what God wanted me to do with my life. And um, when God spoke to me, I was 23, and he said, he said, okay, this is the year that you're going to start dating. Um, I reached out to this girl that I had known for quite a while and sent her an email, and she never replied. So that was unfortunate. Uh, that's for another sermon, but um, uh, <laughs> later on, she told me that she did, but I never got it. Anyway, I, that's, but I didn't know how to do the whole dating thing, so I, that was like, it was lame just to send an email, but obviously God was saving me from a horrible mistake, and was preparing me for, 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 for this lady right here, but, but uh, the, the point is, is that what I, what I do and what you do when you're single it, it, it has effects throughout your life. And so when you, when, when you say yes to God, whatever that may be, and I would encourage you to be single intentionally and to even set a date, set a time and say for this year, for this six months, or for this period of my life, I don't care if the best looking person like ask me out. I'm not, I'm, I'm going to be single because God's called me. God's given me this gift for this time. And I'm going to find out why I got this gift. I'm going to, I'm going to use this gift well. And um, that's just what I did from the time I was 12 and I was 23. And then and then I got to learn how to actually ask girls out and things like that and not send them emails. And um, I, I thought it was normal, but apparently not. Um, but at the same time, God did some stuff for you as well as you came from the progressive side of things. Yeah, I came from the side of um, not really wanting any kind of commitment. I, I dated, and um, I always picked boys that were really fun to play with. So really good snowboarders or skaters or surfers or, you know, we would always um, go out and have an adventure, um, but neither of us really liked commitment very much, so it would inevitably end. Um, and so I remember God speaking to me one day and saying to me, Ro, do you need me? And at that time in my life, need was, um, oh, a word I was a bit scared of. I didn't want anyone to need me or me to be needed by anybody. And so I remember... God saying that to me and I, it really took me back because I loved the Lord and I knew that he wanted me to need him and I knew that I should need him but the truth was I had set myself up quite nicely to look after myself and, um, and I had set myself up to not need anybody so that I could protect myself or I thought I could um, and so God slowly started working me through that and um, teaching me how to embrace need and to not think of it as a curse word. And, um, and then he told me that one day he would, you know, share that care of me with my, with my husband, that he would, um, you know, share looking after me with, with my husband. And, and then, you know, I always say that God had a bit of a sense of humor with my children because we managed to breed two children that want to be so close to me at all times that I laugh that if they could eat me, I think they would, so they could just get me closer to them. 
And, and so when they were babies and it was driving this little independent woman crazy that this child needed her so much, um, God kept chipping away at that idol that I had put in my life that if, as long as I can stay separate and stay in control and not be needed by anybody and not need anybody, I'm, I will be looked after. And God just kept chipping away at it and chipping it away at it. Now, well, who cares, hey? <laughs> I embrace it all. <laughs> yeah, and it's a process. It's a process that God's walking us through, and um, and we're still learning how to be married. We're still learning how to deal with things. But but the one thing I do know, and this is what I shared with the guys at um, at, at our men's our men's group, little plug in, we meet on Thursday nights uh, with <laughs> with some guys, and it's great. And um, I shared about how we don't always know how to deal with our stuff and how to be the married couple that we ought to be. And so we often just pray, <laughs> and the Holy Spirit actually speaks to us and through us many times. Um, sometimes she'll be saying something, and she's like, I feel like that's the Holy Spirit, and I'll be saying something, I'll be like, yeah, that, and, and it's, and it's, the, and, and, and he's our counselor, he's our guide, he's the one who shows us where to go and how to be married, he's the one who taught me how to be single, he's the one who taught her how to be single, um, it's a gift from him, and so he's the only one who really knows how to put it together, um, it's kind of like from Ikea, you know, you gotta have the instructions if you're gonna assemble it. He's the instruction manual. He's the one that helps us assemble each of these gifts. And so we have to turn to him. And so this is the invitation for you today, wherever you're at, to turn to him and to rely on him. Um, you, might, you might be someone who you're not even sure about Christianity. You don't know about this whole church thing or God thing. Um, and you just came for the free coffee and cups, mugs. Um, that's cool. We, we will gladly mug you. And um, uh, just well, we welcome you to come back and just listen. But if you are interested in receiving this person, Jesus Christ, receiving this gift of the Holy Spirit and allowing him to teach you how to be single or married, whichever gift he's given you at the moment, I would just, I would just open it up for you. You can receive him right now. The scripture actually says that all we have to do is we have to just call on the name of the Lord. We just have to invite him. He's a gentleman. He won't just come busting into our lives. We have to, we have to ask him to come into our lives. So let's close our eyes for just a minute and just bow our heads and let's just take a moment where we, I just want to give you an opportunity to make that decision, to make that invitation to Jesus to come into your life or into your marriage or into your singleness and to lead. That's what he does. That's what Jesus does. He leads. He doesn't come in to like sit with you and, and watch you try to figure things out. He he comes in and he leads. He, he shows you each step of the way to go.